Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And I just pray this morning, as people are listening in, uh, joining us later on perhaps, but as we engage with this word this morning, that you would open our hearts to hear from you, to receive from you. Lord, that you would uh, use my words to speak your life and your truth to those that listen. And we pray that you would do a work of growing us deeper and deeper as your disciples. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Woman and Dragon, what's it about? What's, what on earth is happening? This is about, one way of kind of summarizing this whole section, is that it's about the cosmic spiritual battle that's going on. You might even say it's what's going on behind the persecution of the seven churches uh, that Rome is persecuting. Again, important to remember the historical context and how the original hearers would have heard this so we can then properly understand what it means for us. This past week, we released our second uh, Pastors of the North podcast featuring Pastor Al. We uh, interviewed Pastor Al uh, and had a few different sessions recorded with him, and I think the second one came out on Friday. Um, and there, it was really, really good. I encourage you to check that out. And thank you, Al, if you're watching or listening, uh, for joining us for that. He, he gave us some really good, just a really good kind of summary of his own pastoral journey and his experience and some things that he would want to pass on to, to you know, young people growing up in ministry. And there was something he said that really resonated with this passage. There's a lot that he said that was excellent. Um, but there's something that really resonated with this. And he said, when we step into ministry, we're also stepping into a spiritual battle. And, and he said, so often in ministry, we can become, this is sort of from personal experience, um, but any of you involved in, in volunteering, whether you're in ministry leadership or not, but if you've been involved in church life, there's often moments where you get kind of frustrated with, with people or with the ministry, or it just, there's times where it's hard, it just feels hard. And, and Al made such a great point of saying, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's times where we can be uh, discouraged by uh, people's responses or or whether or not people have participated in something and and we get discouraged by that but al's al's point was don't forget that we're we're also engaged in spiritual warfare and when we step out into ministry um, there is we just need to realize that there's also forces at work that want to see god's purposes and god's kingdom not be extended and so as we engage in that work of following Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised when there is resistance or when we face spiritual warfare ourselves. And it was really, really, it was really, really good to remember there is spiritual warfare that goes on in our world and that goes on in our lives. And this passage is depicting spiritual warfare almost on, again, sort of this grand cosmic scale of what's going on behind the evils of worldly governments and systems which persecute the followers of Jesus. So what does John, what's John describe for us? It starts with a pregnant woman and a mighty red dragon who seeks to destroy her newborn son. And at first, this could seem really out of place at first glance. Uh, but if you think for a moment, where else in the Bible... Have you had a serpent confront a woman? Right? It's Gen Genesis 3. 
And in that passage, what, what are some of the things God says? Well, he says that uh, the woman will have pain in childbirth. And what do we see right off the bat in verse 2? She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. It's almost said twice so that you really kind of get the point driven home. And also in Genesis 3, we read something else. We read about how a descendant of Eve will be the one to crush the serpent's head, will be the one to defeat uh, the accuser, uh, this enemy of God. And you can almost look at the whole storyline of the Bible as this epic saga of that prophetic word from Genesis 3, of as we're waiting, following this family from Eve's line, and that's why the genealogies are so key for a lot of the biblical authors, because you're following the family line of who's going to be the one to crush the serpent's head, who's going to be this one that God has pointed to all the way back in the garden, uh, who's going to be the one to destroy the root of evil, to destroy the serpent, And, of course, we believe that this is none other than Jesus. This is what Jesus has done. And in Genesis, it says the serpent will bite his heel, but he will crush the serpent's head. And many think that that's a reference to the fact that the son of Eve is going to be mortally wounded by the snake bite, but in his own death will crush the serpent's head and conquer the snake. And we could say, again, this is a picture of how even though Jesus is killed, Uh, By the powers of darkness in some ways that Jesus talks about now is the hour and power of darkness when he's arrested in the garden. That even in his death, it's not his defeat, but actually his conquering victory. And that as he is bitten, uh, mortally wounded by taking the sin of the world upon himself, he's actually crushing the serpent's head and defeating the power of evil once and for all. That's what happened. That's what the resurrection is all about and the new creation mourning. So now John is setting all of those images and playing that out in this vision. It's, the, it's like the manifestation of the ancient conflict going back to Genesis 3. And, man, if you love epic stories with battles and good versus evil, uh, there's a reason for that because you're living in one. This is our story. This is your story. And there's a reason those stories resonate with us because there's something true about those legends. It's actually the true story that we're living out today. And now the serpent, rather than being sort of this mysterious serpent up in the tree, it's a full-blown dragon. And he's representing the source of all evil, and he's attacking the woman and her seed. And they represent uh, Jesus and his people. And notice the reference to the sun, moon, and stars to describe the woman are likely a callback to Joseph's prophetic uh, visions of his parents and his family back in Genesis, if you remember. Uh, In other words, the woman giving birth is sort of representing that descendant family of Abraham or the people of Israel, right? And from this people will come one who's born, who's going to uh, bring God's plans and purposes to fulfillment and crush the serpent's head. And so, again, we're in this ongoing drama of this family line, right? This is what basically the whole Old Testament is about, is waiting for the one who will come. And then the New Testament's about his arrival and what happens when Jesus, the Messiah, the snake crusher, is born. I feel like that's a good... We said Jesus, Messiah, but we don't have a lot of songs about Jesus, Snake Crusher. I think we need a few of those. Jesus, Snake Crusher. There's a few that actually refer to crushing the serpent's head, which are pretty epic. And so what happens? Well, the dragon tries to kill, kill the one who's born. Uh, it doesn't work. They're rescued, and the dragon's plans are thwarted. That's essentially what happens, right? There's some other details there, but I'm not going to get into all of that. 
Um, but there's a reference in verse 5. She gives birth to a male child who's to rule the nations with a rod of iron. This goes back to various depictions, again, in Psalms and other places of the Messiah who's to rule with God. And he's caught up to God and to his throne, uh, which actually kind of reminds you of, of Daniel and the Son of Man getting caught up to the Ancient of Days and various other things as well. So the, the enemy tries to, is attacking uh, the pregnant woman as she's giving birth and doesn't work. God is providentially rescues them. We get the reference even to them going out to the wilderness, which is often sort of the place of, of needing to trust in God um, as you're escaping evil. And so uh, Israel, right? Israel escapes Egypt into the wilderness, and then they need to work out what that's about. And Jesus and his own family escape back to Egypt, ironically, almost in a wilderness sort of experience when Herod tries to attack them. This happens with Paul as well. When he's first converted, he goes out into the wilderness. So the, Jesus as well reenacting it all. So there's often this sort of theme of heading to the wilderness. Anyway, all of that said, the, the, the dragon's plans don't come to fruition. And then we move to the second section. And here we read the dragon being thrown to earth after sort of battle with Michael, right? And some people think this is a look back at when the accuser, and that, again, the accuser is often the name for, uh, for this enemy of God, is that he's the accuser. Um, so some people think this is a look back at when Satan sort of cast out of heaven, and that could be. But if you look at the text, what is sort of talked about when Satan and the angels and the deceiver are thrown out and the emphasis is on the salvation, this is verse 10 of chapter 12, the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Um, again, think back to Job and how uh, the enemy is often depicted as this person sort of in, uh, in the courts of heaven in lawsuit almost, uh, accusing God's people. Um, and so that entity is finally thrown out and it seems here again going back to verse 10 i heard a loud voice in heaven saying the salvation and power and kingdom of our god the authority of his christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our god and they've conquered him by what the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death and so it seems here that Satan is thrown down and conquered by the blood of the Lamb. This is a picture of Jesus' power over the accuser through his death and resurrection. So it's not necessarily a flashback to something else, but a picture of sort of the cosmic battle, again, the behind-the-scenes cosmic battle, of what Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished in bringing his kingdom and of uh, d delivering this decisive blow against the dragon through his victory at the cross. Um, and so the dragon is cast down, um, but his time is short. I like that kind of last emphasis uh, at the end of verse 12. His time is short. And so then we get to the third section, and we see that the dragon continues his vicious work. He's trying to go after the woman. But he's thwarted time and time again. And then in verse 17, he gets so fed up with it all <laughs> that he can't win. And so he decides to go and make war on her offspring. So it's like he can't destroy Jesus. He can't destroy the woman. Instead, he starts inspiring hatred and persecution of the Messiah's people. And who are the offspring of the women? Of the women? Of the woman? Look at verse 17. The dragon became furious with the woman 
and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And who are they? Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So in short, the offspring of the woman, again, is, is the multi-ethnic army of the Lamb. It's those who follow the testimony of Jesus, those who follow God's commands but also follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so the dragon goes about inciting rebellion, doing what he can, sort of, sort of in a bit of a furious mess, but he knows his days are short. So that's the text. That's chapter 12. What are some implications for us? I've got a couple. The first, uh, just, and we talked about this already, but kind of the first thing to note about all this is that spiritual warfare is real. Um, and there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we're not really always aware of specifics, but we're aware that, that uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are entities at work behind the scenes um, that are influencing things, but God is in control, and we can rest in the assurance that he has conquered, and he is alive, and he is bringing his salvation purposes forward. I love what it says in 1 Peter. It says, be self-controlled and alert. This is 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. That idea of him prowling around looking for something to devour reminds me of this image from chapter 12 of the dragon being fed up and furious and then just kind of going out to do kind of make whatever mess he can before the time is finished right he knows his time is short and so he becomes furious and goes off to make war on whoever he can in the meantime and first peter says be self-controlled and alert um and i think alert is is one thing it's easy to be like okay there's some kind of spiritual thing going on over here, right? But it also says to be self-controlled. Like, don't get so obsessed with, like, demonic activity or thinking Satan's behind everything that you're kind of being silly about it, right? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's like you can't even find someone unless you kind of make yourself available is almost kind of the thought here, like kind of looking for a way to mess things up. But resist him. Standing firm in the faith. I love the stories of the, when I was doing uh, some of my studies, I had to do some reading of, had to. It was nice to, but anyway, it was for a class. Sounds like it was dreary, but it wasn't. Um, some of the desert fathers and mothers in the early monastic movement of the church, and they encountered spiritual warfare like crazy. And, and sometimes they just, there's stories of some of these Abba, Abba so-and-so, and Abba, you know, this guy and that guy. And looking up and being like, I saw all these demons all around me and they were, they were being all ridiculous. And I was like, they'll say something like, I just told them to go away. And I was so put off by them that they were trying to entice me. They had no imagination at all. And so I just told them to, yeah, he's like, you're just being silly, you know, making all these lewd gestures and stuff. Like, just grow up. Kind of pull yourself together. The, the demons were so put out by his sort of even dismissal like fine <laughs> we can't do okay this guy's you know i feel like that's a self-controlled and alertness right just come on get over this uh, i remember the story i forget who used to tell this story i think i feel like i want to say a reinhard bonke story but a missionary being uh somewhere and sort of rolling over in his bed he said i looked down i saw the devil at the end of my at the end of my bedpost and he went oh it's you 
And then I rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> sort of like, this is not worth my time, right? So there's a call here not to be naive, but also not to be silly. I, rem- I think this is a, a Rick Parkin used to tell this story. I can't recall, but he told the story of, of two guys going for coffee. Do you remember this, Keith? And, and the, one, the one guy was talking to his friend. The friend was sort of always about demonic stuff. was always one of these ones who there's a demon under every bush. And he was fiddling with his creamer. And, then the, and, and they're trying to get their coffees going. This guy spilled his creamer all over. And he went, ah, the demon of spurt. <laughs> it, was like, it was like there was an entity that made him spill his creamer, right? And that's where I think there's a call here. Let's not be silly, but let's not be naive either. And I think there's a healthy balance for us as Christians there. To be faithful and grounded in God's word, alive with the Holy Spirit. Let's resist the enemy. Let's stand firm in our faith, right? Uh, the second thing I want to say about all this is God has a good plan, and he will see it through. You know, for, for Israel and for the long history in Israel, scriptures through the Old Testament, wondering when is God going to act, when is the Savior going to come, uh, for a lot of those people it would have felt difficult, not knowing when, where is God, where is your plan in this? Maybe not seeing it fulfilled in their time, and yet they're called to a faithful perseverance even when it seems that God's plans or purposes weren't coming to fulfillment in the timing they expected. And I think it, we, we can run into that rut as well when we, we want God to act in certain ways, and he's promised he will, but we also need to trust that his timing is good. And sometimes things may not happen in the way I would expect, but God is faithful even in those moments. He has a good plan and purpose. He will see it through to completion, and I can rest and trust in him and his timing. Second uh, Thessalonians says, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. You are from God. This is First John. You're from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so when we're encountering spiritual warfare in our own lives, or even just our own, our own feeling down or discouraged about maybe what's happening in the world or what's happening personally, um, knowing, God, you've got me. You've got this. You've, your timing is good. Help me to faithfully trust in you and follow you, even when, when, I, when I feel down about things in my life. Help me to follow you well. And one of the last things I wanted to mention was this idea of conquering by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, our testimonies can be really important. Um, the idea being that as we share what Jesus has done in our lives, um, that has a tremendous power in people's lives to call them and point them to Jesus as well. And as we are willing to love and to live like Jesus, even if it costs us our lives, um, there is a way in which that uh, sacrifice, that willingness to lay down our lives for Christ uh, also plants the seeds of hope and life in other people's lives. I remember what Jesus says in John 15 and Matthew 10. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Man, doesn't that point back to this Revelation 12 passage? Right? Just as the dragon is going around making war on the offspring of the woman, keep in mind he was after, he was after that first son first. And he was defeated in that. And God will see things through. 
Stand firm, Jesus says in Matthew 10. Stand firm to the end, and you will be saved. Think of what Paul says to encourage the church. He says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the following the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's how we conquer, by overcoming evil with good. And, and we can trust that God will see us through. As I said before, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so just as we wrap this up, uh, let's not be naive about spiritual warfare, but let's also not just be so consumed by it that we get goofy about it. We know how the story will end. We follow the risen lamb. And uh, it causes me to ask, what are the areas in my life where I have maybe allowed uh, the enemy to, to come in and trust, you know, to, uh, you know, that idea of the lion seeking who he may devour and being alert and self-disciplined. How, where have I maybe not been alert or self-disciplined is what I'm trying to say. You know, where, where do I need to sort of shore up the defenses uh, against maybe sp- spiritual warfare in my own life, and and being alert, uh, being in God's word, so that I am of sound character and mind to resist the enemy uh, when he tries to do what he will do, but also resting in the assurance of who Jesus is, and knowing that the enemy has been defeated, his time is short, and I can rest in the assurance that God has a good plan and purpose for me for you, for our city, for our world, and he will bring his redemptive purposes to pass. He calls me to live for him, and I can do that well, regardless of how I feel about it, regardless of the circumstances around me. His time, the enemy's time, is short, and we follow Jesus, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings, uh, the Redeemer, the worthy Lamb who was slain for us. So I pray that that encourages you Uh, this morning, and I invite you to just pray with me before we close our service. Lord, I thank you that at the cross and through your resurrection, you did so much. You broke the powers of sin and evil. You defeated the power of death. You brought salvation life to our lives. You made available forgiveness and relationship with you, God. And I thank you for those that are hearing this message today and can rest in the assurance that our life and our hope is found in you. That even though things around us may rage and feel chaotic, we can come back to uh, a restful assurance of who we are in you, Jesus. I thank you for the encouragement of your word. I thank you that you pinpoint and say, yes, there is an enemy. He is doing things doing what he can behind the persecution that happens to the church, behind the pressures that we feel from society. But in the end, we know he will be defeated, and we can rest in you, God, who you are and what you've done for us. Rest in the salvation that you've given us. And you call us, Lord, to live for you in such a time as this. I pray that you would help us to be alert and to be self-disciplined, to resist spiritual apathy, to resist pressures, uh, that would be uh, come against you and what you would want to do in our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to be uh, alive and alert and willing to live out your love, your truth, your grace, loving you and loving our neighbor, especially at such a time as this. I pray for opportunities, Lord, for your church to share 
the good news of the gospel with those around us. Help us to love our neighbors. We pray, Lord, as we seek to care for those in need in this, uh, this season with this outreach ministry, that many would come to faith as they see the church living out your compassion and your kindness and your love, Lord. We pray for those who will be engaging with uh, this study with Anita, getting uh, reacquainted again with how to lead others to Jesus. Lord, would you put a fire in our hearts to reach out to those who don't know you uh, with love and with boldness and with grace to point them to you, God. I thank you that we can still gather in a way where we can come together and be encouraged uh, online. Lord, I pray for each one in each home that you would fill that home with the presence of your spirit. Bring hope and life to each heart, I pray. And Jesus, we lift up those that are ill, that are sick, those that are lonely, those that uh, can't get out. Um, Lord, would you come alongside each one with your peace and with your comfort. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for those that are in leadership in our country, in our province, in our city. Lord, would you do a work in the hearts of each one of their families. We just pray your encouragement and your peace over them, uh, that you would draw them to yourself. And uh, with the words you taught us, Lord, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Friends, before we sign off, I send you with the benediction. Children of God who are loved and can be forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you be alert and may you be self-disciplined to resist the enemy and to cling to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves you and gave his life for you. May you be encouraged and filled with his peace and his hope for this week ahead, whatever it brings. God bless you. We do love you. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, do contact us here at the church. Uh, we'd love to stay connected as best as we can during this season. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.